Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to another edition of Waiting for Next Year's Cavs Cast. We are part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. This is your host, Seth, and joining tonight, WFNY OG, Craig Lindell. Craig, thank you for joining first off, second off. Happy holidays. How are you? Yeah, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. It's uh, it's a good time. I'm excited to be on the Cavs cast. Yeah, thank you for joining from upstate New York. Uh, we actually didn't have an episode last week just in preparation for the holidays, and there's been a lot of good basketball that's gone on. So, yeah, I really appreciate you jumping in and, and joining here. And even before we get into it tonight, we're going to do a quick read from our sponsor. We at WFNY, we've got a great deal with Underdog Fantasy. For first-time depositors, enter the code WFNY at checkout, and Underdog will match your deposit up to $100. Underdog is a great platform. If you're tired of the DFS salary system, there's tons of game types and drafts every single night, regardless of the sport. So don't forget, use WFNY at checkout to get your first-time deposit matched up to $100. And this is very topical right now. We are just days away from going live with legalized betting in Ohio. I think we're, we're five days away at this point. So this is a great way to, to kind of jump in and, and, and do a little bit of legal gambling, uh, you know, for the next couple of days and get your fix in before uh, we open up the books uh, next, uh, next Sunday, January 1st. I'm ready because I think I've, I've blocked every single ad of every online sports betting thing that's hitting me on Twitter because it was never, it was like, three in a row on and on and on and it was like hey did you know sports betting is about to be legal you should join us did you know it's about to be legal join us and like it's one thing to have an ad or have a platform that you believe in it's another thing that to be smashed over the head constantly on twitter um you know one of the things that i think we can definitely say about elon's run at twitter is he's lost uh, he's lost control of the advertising algorithm and we are just getting obliterated I swear every time I see one of those ads, it's, you know, hey, Ohio, claim your $600. Start it off with claim your $200 or free. Now it's up to like $2,800. I'm like, oh, do we really get all this money, Craig? It's, it's unbelievable. We're sitting on a gold mine, apparently. Well, and how impersonal. Hey there, Ohio. Like, yeah. I, I mean, that's all I am now. I'm just, uh, I'm part of the state and I'm not Northeast Ohio. I'm not Cleveland suburbs. I'm not, I'm nothing. I'm just Ohio. <laughs> that's right. I'd be lying if I said I didn't sign up for maybe three of them, uh, but I think I, I, I'm going to end up hitting my max and, and probably settle in on one. But we'll, we'll see. Uh, maybe that'll they'll be featured in a future episode here on the Cavs cast. We'll, we'll get into a future sponsor here uh, later on. Um, yeah. But, you know, coming into a, a great time to kind of get get together and talk about the Cavaliers and honestly, anyone watching on YouTube, your hat, which is just frankly awesome. I love your hat, Craig. Uh, <laughs> it's a Christmas hat, baby. Christmas. Yeah. There we go. Looks great. Um, you know, tough game uh, last night against the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, return of Kyrie and Kyrie was winless at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, Quicken Loans uh, before last night. Cavs lose 125, 117. Um, the Nets were just red hot from three. They shot 60%, 18 of 30 from three-point line. 
the just sheer talent, offensive shot making talent that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving provide, uh, as well as TJ Warren chipped in 23 uh, huge points off the bench. <clears throat> Too much for the Cavs to to overcome. Um, they got outplayed by quite a bit in the first half. They did mount a little comeback in the second half, um, you know, really all due to Darius Garland kind of taking over, but, you know, just ended up not being enough. Um, I had a couple, you know, thoughts, takeaways other than, you know, if you kind of watch the highlights, obviously there was things that stood out, but, you know, Craig, your, your thoughts, reaction, anything you kind of took away from, from the game last night, maybe outside of just, you know, Katie and Kyrie having monster games. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm at that point in the Cavs season where I'm trying to keep it in perspective. Now, first of all, I caught this one on the, the shortened version of the highlights. I did not watch every minute. And so I'll be lying if I told you I had like a feel to the game. Because you, as you know, you can only really get a feel to the game and the team and how they're playing if you watch it kind of maybe not beginning to end minutes from you know, minute one to to the final uh, whistle, but you really don't get a sense from just watching the highlights. So I'd be lying if I said I, I caught that, but we're at the point of the Cavs season where I feel like this team has shown me enough where I believe that they're a legit contender. I think they need to kind of bide their time. They need to hold serve. It'd be great if they continued to hold their place in the rankings or even got a little bit higher to improve their seed. But ultimately, it now it's about just kind of continuing this grind, finishing out this season and and peaking at the right time for the playoffs. And and I don't know if this team is prepared. You know, they've been dealing with being an underdog and trying to make statements against the best teams in the league. And I think it's a weird thing to say because they didn't really technically make the playoffs last year. But they they don't need they don't really need to prove anything in this regular season anymore, other than that they can they can kind of be healthy and maintain their chemistry and enter the playoffs uh, raring to go. Yeah, not going to find. I don't think either of us getting too worked up over a December loss against a really good Brooklyn Nets team who is the hottest team in the league right now, winners of nine straight. So, yeah, I, I was excited last night just to see more so stylistically, okay, what do the Cavaliers try to do uh, to get pressure on, you know, those net shot makers? Um, how do they attack them offensively, defensively? Um, Let me one thing. A second. Yeah. How did you feel about Jared Allen checking Kevin Durant? How, how did you feel about them checking Durant? And would you have liked to see them try anything differently? Yeah, there was one moment I shared this in the Discord where the Cavs went to a little bit of a, like a soft zone. KD just runs to like three feet behind the free throw line, gets the ball, and and scored two quick baskets. I don't, I didn't see them run zone much more the rest of the game. I did see the Cavs trying to be pretty switchy, and, and we did see Jared Allen on KD quite a bit. It's a tough matchup for anyone. So honestly, I don't have a huge problem with it. Um, he gave some, Kevin Durant gave some buckets to Lamar throughout the night, gave some buckets to really everyone. So, you know, I think it's tough for, for Allen to, to, you know, to stick with him, but he, he's just as good of a defender, I think, as most on the team. I didn't have a huge problem with it. Um, you know, the, the one thing that, the one thing I didn't love about the Cavs strategy on defense and, and who am I to question their, their strategy. Right. But the, the one thing that I thought they employed really well um, once they, once they're on their comeback was throwing double teams at KD and Kyrie. Um, 
there were two possessions in a row where, where they did that and they forced some of the other nets to try to make plays. And, and that's really when the Cavs were making their strong comeback in the fourth quarter. I think in a playoff series, we probably see more more of that, more aggression, more sending double teams and forcing some of those other guys to beat them. It's, it's December, so they're not going to go probably all out yet. But I, I, I did love you know the way JB employed that late in the game. It really helped them. You know They brought it within, I think, five points late in the fourth. So that was something I really liked um, in terms of something they kind of flipped the switch and started sending some doubles. And it's like, hey, make guys like – uh, you know, TJ Warren beat you and, uh, you know, I know Seth Curry wasn't out there, but there, there's Ben Simmons, there's guys out there, you know, you, you want to shoot much, much preferably than Kevin Durant or Kevin uh, Durant and uh, Kyrie. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, the way Kyrie was shooting last night, the way he was on, you know, it just reminds you that uh, I know this was a regular season game, but it, it makes you think about, well, if you're in a, in a series with a team like this, you're, you almost can't sweep them. They're going to have a game where one or both of them are, their talent just carries the day. And you're just going to have to ride those things out. That's what series are made of is adjustments and, and punches and counter punches. And, and in the regular season, some, some nights you just get punched without the chance to do a counter punch. Um, but that whole game planning for the same team o- over multiple games in, in, in the course of the series that that's really uh, a, almost a different game completely than what we witness in the in the regular season with the NBA, and that's that's the biggest question about these Cavaliers is will they be able to make those kinds of adjustments? Will they be able to make the kind of noise we want them to make in the playoffs? Because we've not we don't have any evidence really for a lot of these guys. Yeah, it, going back to your point about guys getting hot one of the accounts I'll follow somewhat closely on Twitter is shot quality. And they do a good job of expectations of shots made versus shots missed. And and they take into account, you know, player efficiency. So a guy like Kyrie takes tough shots. He's going to make a lot of tough shots, but they, they gave kind of the spread of last night's game and say, based off the quality of shots, the nets were making some really good contested shots. And Bickerstaff shared that after the game as well. He said, for the most part, he was happy with the contest and, um, you know, the, the statistics showed that, hey, most nights, of course, it's a make or miss league. So it's it's all for not. But most nights that the Cavs actually win that game because the Nets just made some really tough shots. So that was something else. If you're trying to trying to look for any kind of positives in there, if you are kind of freaked out about a December loss, something you can lean your head up against and say, OK, they're, they're probably not going to shoot that that hot, you know, in a seven game series, potentially. Um, you know, the, the one other piece that I took away and, and this is this is probably just like a little bit too much football mindset, but there was one play in the first quarter where um, Ben Simmons and Jared Allen got tangled up and, and the refs had blown the whistle. And then probably two to three seconds after that, you can kind of see Ben Simmons sticks his leg out and Jared Allen and Ben Simmons both have their hands on the ball. Um, ben Simmons kind of sticks his leg out and kind of flings the ball over his hip, almost like a little hip toss. And Jared Allen goes tumbling. Um, and he he was ticked. I mean, we, we don't see Jared Allen get upset like ever. And he came up. He was shouting at the rep. He was doing hand gestures. Uh, Kyrie was actually kind of like mocking him right in front of him. And like the one thing I didn't see, Craig, was like Evan Mobley or Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland. I didn't see anyone kind of get into Ben and be like, hey, you, you know, you don't do that to our guy. And I think – 
that's something that, you know, it's, it's again, it's December, but I love to see a little bit of that fight and that, that toughness when, especially when it's in your city, Hey, get into that guy and say, you're not going to throw our big guy around. So that was, it's not basketball at all, but just seeing some of that grit, you know, I was kind of bummed out to not see one of the Cavaliers go up and kind of, you know, kind of check Ben a little bit there. One, you know, for, for the old folks out there, when Ben Wallace came to the Cavaliers, he brought some of that stuff. And and you look around that the Cavs have some really competitive guys. They've got some really quality players, some really great dudes, but I don't get the sense that they have any MFers on that roster. You know what I mean? Like that guy who's just going to like get in somebody's grill. Um, and yeah, Jared Allen, you know, if you, if you squint, he might kind of look like Ben Wallace, but he ain't, he's not Ben Wallace. He's not Ben Wallace. He's the nicest guy. I think we, he's waves to the crowd before every game. He's the, he's the biggest sweetheart you've ever seen. Um, and, and maybe you don't need that, but I'm with you. I'm with you. I think maybe you do need that. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen one or two plays from Donovan where there's like a tie up and he just refuses to to let the other guy take yes. the ball and happened in Indiana the other night um, against the potential rookie of the year, uh, Matherin, uh, which was kind of cool, but yeah, it was just, it was just one of those things that and it was because, a turning point of the game. Exactly. Yep. And if, and if last night felt like a playoff atmosphere, you know, Kevin Durant's back, Kyrie's back, um, you know, it, it was a big game, you know, it was a pretty big game. I think an opportunity where they're coming off a loss against Toronto where they kind of got beat up too. So an opportunity to say, Hey, this isn't happening in Cleveland tonight. And just, you know, one of those things I know as a fan, you know, player probably hears this and think, Oh, it's just stupid. It's just one play, but you know, it just has, brings an attitude to the game that, um, you know, you can just feel throughout the rest of the, the rest of the uh, 48 so minutes. So the other thing about the game, you know, we talk about Durant and Kyrie both being hot, which, you know, isn't all that shocking. Um, but it, it wasn't a big it wasn't a big Donovan Mitchell night. And the Cavaliers just aren't going to be able to compete night in, night out with teams uh, quality of the Nets without Donovan Mitchell kind of going off. So, I mean, you watched you watched it more in depth. What did you make of Donovan Mitchell's night? And is it just one one bad night or one mediocre night? Yeah, you know, it's something I, I definitely have my eye on, Craig, is that I'm interested to see how he does with bigger defenders on him. Now, he's he struggled in a couple games um, versus the Raptors, and he got he ended up getting switched on to Nick Claxton a couple times last night, and Claxton kind of shut his water off. It's, it's one thing I'm taking a look at to see. You know, I think one thing that we've seen so far this season with Donovan is – any shot's a pretty good shot to him. Like he can get a shot off at any point. It's just you know, a couple couple times more per game. I wouldn't hate to see him try to get into the lane and you know get a few more paint uh, shots. He loves to do his little step back jumpers. So that is something I'm looking at. Is you know he took a lot of contested shots last night, and the Nets have some really good switchability. Whether it's KD coming out, Nick Claxton coming out, um, they really don't have many weak defenders. Ben Simmons did a pretty good job on on Donovan. So yeah, I think it was one of those things where he's may, maybe settling a little bit, but they just it, again he's not a six seven six eight guy. He you know he's a six three guy with a long wingspan, but I think it's tougher for him when he goes up against some of these taller wing defenders to get his shot off. So he needs uh, definitely needs some more of that spacing and and hopefully him and DG continue to, to develop that chemistry so they can get some some good open shots together. And, and really, to me, the most important thing is how they play off ball from one another. There's still a fair amount of kind of standing around. You do your thing, I'll do my thing. I think the way they really unlock this is just off-ball movement. I, I, I'm hoping to see much more of that you know, over the course of the next 40 or so games. Yeah, those games, the, and I, I 
struggle to come up with some specific examples, but um, whenever you're watching a game and you see both uh, Garland and Mitchell at various points catch and shoot threes, it feels like that's when they're at their best because that means not only are those guys hitting shots, but they're finding space on the floor, the ball's moving and it's finding them and they don't have to work quite so hard to get those shots. Um, when, when Mitchell is getting, is working to get his shot, it's a lot different than when the Cavs are flowing and that ball is moving and maybe Levert is driving and kicking and, and all of a sudden, you know, he's never felt so open. And and that's that's really when the Cavaliers are at their best. And and you're right, it's gonna be tough for them to feel that way or or you know I don't I don't know how great the Nets are as a defensive team, but they sure they are long. They do have that extra length on the wings. And so on certain nights when they're actually trying on defense, it's gonna be tough. Yeah. And I you brought up a really good point, Craig. I was hoping to hit on tonight is the importance, although we, we've stressed three times already, it's a December game. You just want to see how things kind of match up, how the, you know how things go and the chess match really between coaches is, is what I'm interested in. But, you know, the importance of, of some of these wins now. So the East and really the top tier of the East has really shaken up over the past couple of weeks. So the Brooklyn Nets have, have won nine in a row. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers have won eight of their last 10. And so the top tier of that East has really changed over the past couple of weeks. It, it really was, you know, Milwaukee. When I know the Celtics skidded for a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. The, yeah. The Celtics have lost a couple. Milwaukee's lost a couple. So, you know, I, th I think we're on the verge of, of kind of seeing a top five. And then I think there's going to be a little bit of everyone else. So right now I'll just do a quick read off Boston Celtics, 24 and 10. They're in first Milwaukee Bucks, 22 and 11. So they're a game and a half back. Brooklyn Nets 22 and 12. They're two games back. Cavaliers, who are currently in fourth place, 22 and 13, two and a half games back. Philadelphia 76ers, 20 and 12, three games back. So there's currently five teams all within three games of each other. And then you have a three game um, slide until you see the New York Knicks in the sixth spot. So, you know, I, as I look at all five of those teams Boston, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Cleveland, and Philly. You know, I, I don't think it's short sighted to say any five of those teams, I wouldn't be absolutely stunned, you know, if, if they made it out of the East. Of course, you know, you have your favorites probably with with Boston and Milwaukee. But, you know, I think those are based off the way they're playing now and with Embiid coming back and Philly looking really good, you know, having the, the second best defense uh, in the league. I think any five of those teams are, have really risen and man, it, it's going to be a bloodbath down the stretch here. I, I think you need to pick up as many of those wins as you can because seating is going to be important. And uh, man, if, if you can get in that top four and, and host, uh, you know, have the home advantage in, in a first round playoff series, that's, that's a huge deal. Yeah. I don't, I still, you know, I, they, they were a little bit down last year because they won the championship the year before, but for me, Milwaukee still feels like, maybe the team to beat and obviously Boston has a claim as well. I don't want to, I don't want to talk down about them, but I, as far as Milwaukee goes, you know, you're talking about Giannis. I think you're talking about the most dominant player. When you get to the playoffs, he is the biggest force other than maybe Kevin Durant. Um, and we've seen Kevin Durant with this team and he, he looked kind of lonely at times. 
but the the way that they've built that roster in Milwaukee, it's very when they're healthy, they're very complimentary, and it lets Giannis do the most, I think, and let him be the dominant force. I still think Kevin Durant is by far the best player. Um, but with that surrounding cast, I think Giannis is in the best spot. So if I'm if it's like the the my power rankings, I'm still going Milwaukee first, probably Boston second. Um, and then I'll figure it out after that. Yeah, there, there's no denying Giannis. It, it just it just feels like we're seeing the best player in the world. And it happened in two games already in Milwaukee when the Cavs played and the Cavs got out to 12 to 15 point leads in the first half. Um, he flips the switch, the Bucks flip the switch, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're they're riding home he's to a win. Post games, he's doing post games where he's 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 like eating chicken nuggets and stuff. Like he's so <laughs> he's so relaxed during this regular season. He's he's just rolling with it. And he's so damn humble. You know, you try to like, okay, this is a rival that the Cavs are probably gonna run into over the next couple of years, but I'm having a hard time. You know, he's just so dang humble. It's, he should be winning MVP realistically, like every year. You know, he's getting into that LeBron territory where it's like, who's the best player? I don't know. It's been Giannis for like four years, but if we want to like, you know, give it to other people, that's cool, I guess. But it's I mean, just how many it's hard times to have we seen this in our lives and in, in all sports, you know, whether it was yeah. LeBron, not kidding, or or people. People talking about anybody other than Patrick Mahomes in the NFL. It's like you guys are just bored. You're you're not even you're not even doing it the right way anymore. You know, just doesn't even make sense. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, I think we lost Seth again. I'm going to give him a few minutes to catch back on. I think his Wi-Fi switched to the wrong one again. Um, <laughs> so, uh, all right, it looks like I'm looking at your connection. It looks like it might be back. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, my, my apologies here. Yeah, and, and just to just to I guess kind of round it out, you know, I, w- I wanted to give a little bit of love to Philadelphia because that is one team that's like my league pass team. Um, I, I hate watching James Harden, um, but oh, I love too. <laughs> it's brutal, isn't it? I mean, uh, but some Between of the pieces between him and and Trey Young, I, I just there's a lot of hateable basketball to watch. <laughs> yes, there's a couple pieces really while while he's been out the. Philly found their defensive identity. They've had guys like D'Anthony Melton step in and, um, you know, Niang and, and Tobias Harris is, is playing, you know, having his best season. They've been a really fun team without, without Harden and really stepped up. Like I said, second in, in defensive rating, 109.4, only behind the Cavaliers who are still 108.4, a full point better. But yeah, they just, they played some great basketball and, you know, Embiid is, is, is again playing just, you know, incredibly well. And that's a team who, you know, I, I think, I think really has a shot, um, you know, Embiid versus Giannis, I think would be a hell of a series. Uh, we're a long way to go from there. We, we need to make sure there's no injuries, but I think it just speaks to like, man, th- this Eastern conference is going to be so damn fun. We're going to get like three or four awesome series, you know, just to get out of the East. And uh, I think it's going to to go up against Philly. They have watched the Cavs go up against Philly. I, I'm I'm looking forward to watching the Cavs go up against any of these teams, and yeah, you know I want to see them advance. But like if I'm removing the Homer part of it, 
um, watching Embiid against the the Cavs bigs and and just watching Harden versus the Cavs front, you know, um, mm-hmm. the the backcourt and the front, it just it would be really a fascinating matchup. Yeah, yeah. It, the one thing that that really sticks out, man, is geez, you, you think of the East and you think of all these big guys, whether it's Embiid or Giannis or Robert Williams, who, who's just a monster on, on the boards and, and blocking shots. It's like Allen's going to have his work cut out for him. I think we all love Jared Allen. We love what he brings. He's he's such a glue guy for this team. But man, he, you know, if if they want to get serious about it advancing he's going to have to have some really good playoff series if the Cavs want to go to round two or, or even round three this upcoming playoffs when I, I don't want to I don't want to get into the ref zone but he's going to have to get the benefit of the doubt he's going to have to be allowed to play defense because we've seen him get those quick whistles before where it feels like they don't want to let him play even a little bit physically down low and all of a sudden he picks up two quick fouls and he, he just, you don't get the real Jared Allen experience. And it's, it's such a shame um, for the Cavs when that, when that, when that happens. Yep. Yeah. And, and speaking of, speaking of the fouls, I think this is, this is a guy who's had some foul troubles early on in the year. It's not my best transition, Craig, but I'm just going to keep rolling with this. Um, I love it. <laughs> um, so wanted to also talk about, Isaac Okoro, Karis LeVert, Diakite, Lamar Stevens, your boy Dean Wade, and just the revolving door at the small forward position. So there have been five starters at the small forward position so far this year. Um, Dean Wade uh, was injured on December 3rd. Um, he, he kind of sprained his shoulder, I think is what we were told. And he had a three to four week prognosis we're right at three to four weeks obviously being at the end of december here we finally got a little bit of news that came out just a couple hours ago and, and jb essentially said I'm, I'm not reading it but i'm just i'm just gonna go um, you know not word for word here but essentially said you know it's taken a little bit longer than we'd like um but he's back on the court and he's doing some work so really can't take too much from that but it sounds like he's gonna miss out on that three to four week it's, it's probably gonna extend into the you know some point in january but but man, Craig, the the one thing that we all know it, but you know, you watch the game and you can really see it. Uh, whether it's a Coral or, or Stevens or or even Levert to a degree, it's at times it's just four on five, man. And I think it's it has impacted the last couple of games um, specifically. It's really impacted the um, degree of difficulty for the big guys and the sh- the kind of shots that Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are getting because the paint is just so crowded. Um, you know, guys are just not really guarding uh, Lamar Stevens, Isaac Okor out on the wing, you know, where they're setting up for really that corner three. Lamar seems to like to camp on the left side, corner three. Okoro seems to like to camp kind of more on the right side, uh, the corner three. But it's just tough seeing the four on five. And, and man, I, I know I'm probably speaking for you here, but – they need Dean back <laughs> sooner the better because spacing has been brutal. Yeah, and and I don't think I think in a lot of cases you could say that that Stevens and Levert have more complete games or or might even be overall better overall better best might be overall better basketball players. But there's Dean Wade and what he brings. He's he's the best sniper, the best shooter, and so he brings the most respect to the perimeter. And there's just something about the spacing when he's in that game versus those other guys that I just I really love. I love Dean Wade as your starter. And then I I love whoever's hottest between um, Levert, 
Stevens and even Jetty uh, kind of coming off that bench because when Jetty is a streaky shooter, but when he's not shooting, he's at least driving to the hole like a crazy person. And he's uh, in transition. He's always on that fast break. And he's done a really great job finishing on the fast break in ways that I don't think any of us thought that he was going to be able to do when he came into the league. He's, he's, you know, he definitely has a ceiling and it's a little bit lower than anybody would like, but he's, he's smashed straight into the ceiling what you know he makes the most of whatever whatever talent he's been given and so i feel very good about that the 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 options coming off the bench that that extra extra person um but i i think they need dean wade to to lock in and, and be that starter and be that threat from outside hit a couple early shots it really opens everything up for everybody else and and it gives those other guys a chance to be the change of pace to dean wade and let's you know, when Levert comes in after they've been looking at Dean Wade and he drives to the hole and maybe kicks it out, you know, it's a different look. And it's, it's a, you know, it's like a, a pitcher who can throw 90, but then throws that curveball or the changeup at 72. You know, you got to change speeds. It's not about having the, the hundred and none of these guys have a 110 mile an hour fastball. But if they can if they can use multiple guys to change speeds, I hate to mix my metaphors with with uh, baseball, but it's just how I think. Yeah, and it's 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 even it's not as much even the percentage like Lamar Stevens has really seen a, a downtick in his three point percentage this year. He doesn't take a lot. He's been hesitant to take them, and that shows up to you know when the opposing teams watching film. Okoro has really been struggling all season long, and it's there's some advanced stats that show how wide open those guys are. And the field goal percentage, even though it's still not good, but, you know, the 28%, I think roughly for Okoro, the 32, 33% for Stevens, based off how wide open they are, it, it, it's still a really bad percentage. You know, an average NBA player shoots whatever, 42% based off of how many feet away, um, you know, the, the closest defenders to those guys. And, and yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's tough right now because you look at Jared Allen and Evan Mobley and they're not getting those clean looks. They're not getting those lobs. They were last year. You know, some of the easy stuff isn't quite coming and it's, you know, purely to me, you know, to my untrained eye, it's purely because, you know, you're, you're playing four on five and they're just simply not guarding those guys out there. Um, you know, there's a couple of plays burnt in my mind, but the, the one consistent is Darius Garland kind of top right part of the key. Jared Allen goes and screens his guy. Darius cuts to the hole. Jarrett's rolling. They cover it pretty nicely. And the help defender on the on the corner three gets in and helps. That creates a three on two. Garland swings it to the corner. And, and regardless if it's a Coro, Stevens, et cetera, you know, they're hesitant. They're taking the shot, missing, or, you know, they're hesitant and dribble drive. So, yeah, I think, you know, Dean Wade, even if he doesn't shoot 40%, just the threat of him, I think, is really going to help out. Not only, you know, for him to score, but really just for the big guys to get those clean looks. So I'm not one of these people that's like mad at Okoro. I don't hate him. I, 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 I get upset when I see a lot of the negativity about the guy. But I, I do think that um, it's probably time to start thinking about life after Okoro. You know, I don't understand why people are so there's so much vitriol toward the, the kid because he works really hard and he's got a great attitude. And, you know, the effort level is just off the charts. You know, so it just doesn't always happen for some guys, at least not in their first stop. And um, I don't think it makes him a bad person. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it makes him evil. And so I get a little bit upset when when people's frustration turns into like personal attacks against the dude, especially one who hasn't who's done who's tried to do everything the right way. 
Um, but at the same time, you know, in my my sober moment here talking to you, just you know, between us where nobody else is watching, um, <laughs> I, I think you know, I'm I'm it, it makes me sad, but I think it probably is time to just maybe move on from the the Okoro experiment. Yeah, it's tough because he's he's what he's still 21. He, I think he's turning 22 soon, and but it's just yeah, it's, it's what, one of those three. Year three, he was a very young 19-year-old when he was drafted. But, you know, year three is, you know, regardless of the age, usually year three is where you start to reap those benefits and reap those rewards and kind of get that value of the rookie contract. And, yeah, to your point, we, we just haven't seen it. And it, it's tough because – and I've heard this referenced on a couple of podcasts, but it's so true, you, you know – you could almost argue that maybe he wasn't put in like the best position because this team has accelerated so much where, you know, if, if this was a Houston Rockets or Detroit Pistons team, all good, man, you get those reps, you take the ball up, you create, you know, we're going to ride with you for the next year or two, see, see what shakes out. But, you know, Hey, sorry, this is a top four or five team in the East. It's, it's win now mode. And we could really use like a 31 year old veteran, small forward spot up shooter right now. Um, so I think that's definitely something that, you know, Kobe should be looking at. And um, yeah, to your point, it's, it's all love. The kid busts his ass. We, we don't hear stories of him shutting down the club in West six until 2 AM. He's, he's getting shots up before and after and, you know, all, all the best to him and hope he turns it around, you know, if not in Cleveland somewhere else, cause it seems like a heck of a kid. Yeah. Yeah, I just, you know, I guess in my my old age now, I just don't have any time for the negativity anymore. You know, it's yeah. like if the guy's got to go, he's got to go. And I hope he does really well somewhere else. Um, but, yeah, it's unless unless they were like a bad person, I, I don't have any OL. Not at all. Not at all. And and, and speaking of, um, you know, speaking of positivity here, I know we're, we're kind of at the 30, 33 minute marker almost. I wanted to shift gears unless there's anything else Cavs wise, Craig, you wanted to hit on. No, let's do it. All right, let's do it. So due to the fact that it's 1227, we're kind of sandwiched in between a couple of awesome holidays here. Um, wanted to get your take. We're going to we're going to transition to some seasonal uh, holiday stuff uh, very quickly. So, Craig, two questions for you. and I'll just kind of rapid fire at you here. Your favorite holiday movie would be what? All right, so the the favorite holiday movie is Elf, but I'm going to give you the one, the off-the-radar one that nobody else watches that is a holiday tradition for our family, and that's Nick Cage and Taya Leone in The Family Man. It's yes. kind of like a it's kind of like a weird Scrooge. It's like, it's B, it's a, you know, Nick Cage is, is something of an A-lister, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like, if they really, really wanted to make this movie, they would have gotten Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. But we got yeah. Nick Cage and Tia Leone, and I love it. But it's like the B, the B list, the B list version of the Family Man, and that's what we got, and I love it. <laughs> I didn't. So we didn't talk about this beforehand. I freaking love that movie, and I didn't like. I thought it was like a secret thing that like just no one really even talked about. It. It's an incredible Jeremy Piven supporting actor who is hilarious. Don Cheadle is awesome in it. Uh, Nick Cage singing to his wife is aw like the movie's awesome. <laughs> well, and my kids are watching it for the first time this year, and they saw Don Cheadle, and they're like, "Is that War Machine?" <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. That's War Machine. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh and then what what's a ghost rider or whatever is that what nick cage plays that's right yep. everything everything's everything's the filter is all about superhero movies with my kids so. uh so how about you you like the family man what's yours 
Yeah, you know, my my tradition, the, the one I really kind of did, at, you know, when I was when I was growing up was Santa Claus, you know, Tim Allen. I, I just absolutely love the Santa Claus. Just so damn good. I love the tinsel breaking out of jail. I love, you know, up on the rooftop, putting the pants on. It's just hilarious. And like the the nagging between like the ex-wife and, and the, you know, the father-in-law. That's just it's just awesome. I just love that movie. So, and this is the, this is the difference between our ages. When that one first came out, I was too old for it. It was too cheesy. But then like, once I had kids and I was like, oh, Santa Claus. And I was watching it with them. It was like, all right, now I'm in the zone for it. But there, there's like all that, all that, like, you know, stuff that was really cool for you when you were a kid, unless it was timeless, then, you know, anyway, there's just one of those things that we kind of miss out on, but in the long run, the timeless stuff we all catch up on. Yeah, it would make its way back. And I'll I'll throw a really quick kind of sneak one I saw that honestly last year had me tearing up a little bit. And and it was one of those I didn't do any pre-reading about it, but uh Claus, I think K-L-A-U-S on Netflix. It's animated, but it's Rashida Jones, uh Benedict yes. Cumberbatch. Uh man, that have you seen that, Craig? I was like, whoa, yeah. I was not ready for that movie. No, it was so good. Um, and then last but not least, just kind of campy fun. Uh, this was the year and wink, wink. I think everybody knows what I'm saying. My kids were finally ready for Gremlins because it wasn't <laughs> going to spoil anything for them. So we watched Gremlins. <laughs> oh, it's called, you got to do it. Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh good stuff. But there's well, that hey. one scene. If you don't, if you, if you want, if you show it to your kids too early, it might ruin some of the magic of Christmas. Got to be careful. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, spoiler alert. Anyone hasn't seen Gremlins, Gremlins yet? <laughs> From what, 1984 or 85, something like that? Yeah. Well, uh, we'll get you out of here on, on this one then. Um, it, probably, maybe there's like a top two or three list, just like we did movies. But is there a certain like holiday dish, meal, entree, whatever that lets your like family go to? Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna answer this one in a unique way because I'm not I'm not like a dessert guy really, I'm not about the sweets. And I could name meals and different things that are, are my favorites during the holidays, but I'm just gonna say like all the snacks. So like somebody in my family, uh, my brother always makes Chex Mix with extra butter. Do, do the like the cheese and the crackers. I just I like having snacks around all. See, you know, it's basically from two or three days before Christmas until all the way till New Year's Day. And you're just, they're dips and snacks. And I, I just, all the salty, salty snack treats. That's that's my deal. I know a lot of people are into it for the Christmas cookies and all the sweets. For me, it's all the, it's all the salty, uh, all the, the charcuterie and the, the, the meats and the cheeses. I just love all that stuff. And yep. you? Yeah. I'm in the exact same boat. I, I don't have like a, a family traditional on like the ham and pineapple. I, I don't know. We don't really do any of that stuff. We'll Jess and I'll do like lasagna. We're kind of weird. We, yeah, we do, we do the same thing. It's cheese and crackers. You're, you're filling up on that stuff. You got like good, like chips and salsa. I like to do some spicy, you know, salsa stuff. And Dude, just, and how, just great, weird and how great is a lasagna? If you do like a lasagna at Christmas and then you get that leftover lasagna for at least four or five days after it's the best. <laughs> the last two days that's it's all i've eaten it's just awesome just give me a square and, and let's roll it's so good oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff well well craig yeah, that, man, those are the, the important stuff yeah the holiday stuff was honestly the most fun i had so maybe maybe we hit on more of that next time but 
All right. Last but not least, what's what's the go to uh, Christmas song? Ooh, you know, Prisoner of the Moment. I just watched Christmas Vacation, and, and you know that 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 song does it for me. Christmas right. time, Christmas time is here. Love it. So that's that one sticks out. <laughs> How about yeah, mine yourself? Is, mine is forever and ever. Baby, please come home. You know, it's in it's in Gremlins, and it's just my favorite. Darlene Love is the best. So that that's mine. I'm envisioning we might have to grab we might have to grab like one or two other guys uh, from the Discord, and we'll have to do like a power like a holiday power power draft or something like that. You know, we like draft our team of stuff. That this could I, I think we're onto something. Yeah. All right. I mean, I'll make it know, a note. This is we'll do like a, a, a March Madness bracket of Christmas songs and Christmas snacks. <laughs> it's like what you do during the dead times. It's like what's the Mount Rushmore of Christmas snacks, you know, or the the March Madness, March Madness. Although one of my one of my favorite bands, uh, uh, Spanish love songs, they always do a March Dadness where they they uh, they rank all the dad songs. No, that's good. That's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> I, I think there's something here because this is the most like animated I think you and I have been. So yeah, we're we're gonna lean into this a little bit more next time, I think. But <laughs> I mean, we're very sober and matter of fact, you know, if this was the playoffs and blah 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 to calves, 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 and they were like snacks and movies. Yeah. <laughs> the Get good stuff, the important stuff. Yeah. Um, well, this is awesome, Craig. Thank you so much for for jumping in tonight. I hope you have a great, yeah, great holiday and uh really appreciate you yeah, jumping happy on. Happy New Year, everybody. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. For you know, for those watching, listening in, you know, the Cavs have two more games uh in 2022 at Indiana Thursday. They play in Chicago on New Year's Eve. Two more games. Uh, we'll be back next week working on some fun guests for 2023. Thank you for listening. Craig, thanks for jumping on. Hope everyone has a great night. And like Craig said, Happy New Year. Thanks, all. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast.